Diane's going to be playing with us uh, twice a month, and so we are grateful to have you here today. Please check your bulletins to see uh, the pages for the hymns uh, that we'll be singing today, so you're ready to go. And um, we have announcements. I think Susan's doing announcements today, so I will hand it over to her. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you here. Um, this morning, uh, I'll just go through the announcements, but uh, something that is not in the announcements that we'd like you all to be aware of is that on Saturday, December 10th, uh, we're gonna be having an organ concert here, a Christmas organ concert, um, starting at 3.30. That'll go till 4.30. And the good news is that sundown, sunset is at 4.45 that night. So everybody can be here and get home before dark. And we'll also have a cookie reception starting at 2.30. Um, so details will be in, in um, future announcement sheets, but we didn't make the deadline this time, so that's why it's not in here. Um, we, our missions this month uh, are gonna go to, our mission donations will go to the LCMC to help their mission. They have uh, 900 congregations and a full-time staff of six people. So uh, financially and physically, they're stretched. So we're asking um, for, that's where our donations will go this month. Uh, Sit and Be Fit continues, uh, 10 o'clock on Tuesdays. Our Bible studies continue. We have a study on Tuesday at noon with Pastor Ken. We're studying right now, we're in the book of Esther. Um, and then you have, a a Zoom Bible study at 7 o'clock, and if you want to attend that, uh, talk to either Pastor or Ashley. And then the uh, men's Bible study is on Saturday morning at 8.30? 8 8.30. At 8 o'clock. Um, the naughty ones will be here this Thursday, so, um, you know, do your finger exercises, ladies. Get your lubrication and We'll see you uh, to paint rocks or tie blankets or to crochet or knit, whatever you want to do. And if you just want to come and laugh, just do that, okay? Um, we have a list of homebound members in the narthex. So if, if you have um, a heart to write some uh, notes of encouragement to these people, that would be wonderful. Um, next Sunday, uh, we won't have our regular fellowship. One of our members is going to be providing lunch for us, um, as has been done in the past. So um, it's a special Thanksgiving for what Reformation has done for her and her family. So I encourage you all to stick around that day and enjoy the feast. Uh, Advent studies will begin on Wednesday, November 30th. So we won't have our Tuesday Bible study. We'll switch it to Wednesday and it will be uh, Advent study rather than uh, the Book of Esther. Um, as always, we need worship assistance. So if you feel like you can help in any way, uh, contact Ashley. There's like a million things that can be done and a lot of ways to help. So if there's any, anything you can do to help out, that would be wonderful. And then um, Crystal is not here today, but she gave the flowers in honor of her husband. And I think that's it. Okay. Thank you.
a reading from the Revelation of John, Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17, on this Sunday that we celebrate the saints who have gone before us. It is the great multitude in white robes, beginning with chapter, or verse 9 rather. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, and people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? And where do they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have an inheritance, and that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading. And today, we remember members of this congregation, along with Christian friends and relatives whom our Heavenly Father has called out of his life during the past year. We remember them, and we thank God for the gifts that he has given us through them. We remember DeForest Jones. James Callahan. James Nguyen. 
Bill Thacker, Jason Stewart, Dorothy Yim, Cliff Peterson, Rick Wisser, Ray Carr, Bill Funk, Holly Wheel, Keith Hall, and Stephen Forsberg. God our Father, throughout the history of the church, you have stood by all of your saints. Stay with us this day and every day for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ, crucified, dead, risen, ascended, living, and reigning with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We do come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as you're called an ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are His. This is the feast of victory for God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Living God, your almighty power is made known chiefly in showing mercy and pity. Grant us the fullness of your grace to lay hold of your promises and live forever in your presence. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Exodus. I'm sorry. <laughs> Chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, and this can be found on page 90 in the Pew Bible. Exodus 3, 1 through 15. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now I go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your father has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. We will read Psalm 148, printed on page 6 in your bulletin. Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all ocean depths. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. Kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. The next reading is taken from the second book of Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 8 and 13 through 17. And this can be found on page 1838 in the Pew Bible. Second Thessalonians 2, 1 through 8 and 13 through 17. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things, and now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till it, he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word or by mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope 
encourage your hearts, and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Luke from the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning is from Luke chapter 20, verses 27 through 40, and can be found on page 1634 of your Pew Bible. <clears throat> Luke records some of the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman, and died childless. The second, and then the third, married her. And in the same way, the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, the people of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him we are all alive. And some of the teachers of the law responded, well said, teacher, and no one no one dared ask him any more questions. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Mad libs, crossword puzzles, 
Word guess is the new thing that I like to get involved with on my iPad. When I was a child, I enjoyed brain teasers, and to some extent, I still do. And one of the classic brain teasers is a riddle in the form of a poem. It goes like this. As I was going to St. Ives, I met a man with seven wives. Each wife had seven sacks, and each sack had seven cats. Each cat had seven kits. Kits, cats, sacks, and wives. How many were going to St. Ives? Now, those of you that have heard this before, you know the answer. It's simple once you know the trick. You see, the poem starts out with the phrase, as I was going to St. Ives. And only one person in the poem was going to St. Ives, since the teller of the poem met the kids, the cats, and the sacks, and the wives. They were headed away from St. Ives. And all those characters were merely distractions to get you confused about the real nature of the problem. There are thousands of little brain teasers like that. Most brain teasers use the, some sort of a verbal trickery to distract us from finding the easy way to the real answer. And when I tell you about the wives and the sacks and the cats and the kits that were leaving St. Ives, you have a natural tendency to think these things are important. They're an important part of the problem at hand. And the wording deceives you into thinking that it is the wives, the sacks, and so forth that are going to St. Ives. You know, brain teasers get you all interested in something that has absolutely nothing to do with the solution so that you go about solving the wrong problem or trying to find an answer to a question that wasn't asked. And magic, magic works the same way. Misdirection, diversion. Distract the audience away from the deception and so that they actually participate in the trick. It's all part of the fun of watching the show, and really no harm is done because we know the performer is trying to fool us. And we actually enjoy the performer's skill at pulling off the deception. It's all fun and games when it's just entertainment and part of the show. But that all changes when these same tricks are used against us in real life. And that is exactly what the temple rulers were doing with Jesus in the verses that come before today's gospel. You see, Jesus is in the temple, and a parade of temple rulers came before him. And they were asking questions and hoping to verbally, verbally humiliate 
Jesus and to take him down a notch or two. Uh, they, were, they were trying to make him look bad in front of all of the people. And today's gospel tells us about the attempt that the Sadducees made when it was their turn. They suggested a hypothetical situation. And instead of a man with seven wives, they suggested a woman with seven husbands who happen to be brothers. And each of these brothers takes his turn as this woman's husband and then dies and, and leaves the woman childless. And this is an extreme example of the Leverite marriage. Leverite marriage was a civil law in ancient Israel and much of the rest of the Middle East. And basically, it goes like this. If a man married or a married man died and had no children, the nearest male relative would marry his widow. For those of us that did the Ruth and are now in Esther Bible study, uh, we learned of that with Ruth and Naomi, and uh, it's called the, the kinsman redeemer. So anyway, the near relative would care for the widow, and their first son would become the legal child of that firstborn of the husband that died. And this child would inherit the dead husband's property, his money, his livestock, and so forth. And the Sadducees proposed a situation where this happened seven times, but no one produced any children. And their scenario is pretty improbable, but it is not mathematically, well, it, it's mathematically possible. And then the Sadducees, they wanted Jesus to tell them who this woman's husband would be in heaven. And there is a trick to the Sadducees' question. The trick is so devious that I doubt that the Sadducees even knew that it was there. Do you know why they're called Sadducees? Because they didn't believe in the resurrection, so they were sad, you see. Okay, bad theology, but it helps you to remember what they were all about. So they didn't even know that they had put a trick in this to Jesus. And the Sadducees had made an assumption about the nature of heaven. They assumed that people would be married in heaven in the same way that they were married on earth. And their assumption, their assumption was wrong. The Sadducees came up with this ridiculous scenario because they didn't believe in the resurrection. What they really wanted to do was to demonstrate how ridiculous the idea of life after death, the resurrection, and heaven and hell all were. They wanted to back Jesus into a corner so that he had to admit the whole idea of life after death is ridiculous. And they thought that they had Jesus right where they wanted him. And of course, Jesus picked up on the false assumption immediately. The Sadducees' scenario was not ridiculous because 
the afterlife is ridiculous, no, but because they had made the ridiculous assumption that life in the next world is the same as it is in this world. They assumed that people still will be married in the next life. And then Jesus told them this was not the case, and he said they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. Now, today's culture also has its false assumptions, just as the Sadducees did. Today's culture often uses false assumptions in its opposition to Christianity. In today's world, we often hear questions like this. What gives you the right to tell us what is right and wrong? Or, How can you say your religion is any better than others? Now, there is a false assumption in these questions and in questions like them. The assumption is so deceptive that most people don't even realize it's there. And that is this. The unspoken assumption behind these questions is that religion is a product that we manufacture. It is as if it is something that we make up. And the popular notion is that all people have a source of spiritual power within themselves, and people must develop that power in their own special way. And this gives rise to the popular notion that people should believe in whatever works best for them. It also gives rise to the idea that we should allow anyone to believe anything. And it gives rise to a world like the world in the book of Judges, just before Ruth, when it says everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And we Christians, we Christians have confidence in our faith because it does not, our faith does not come from inside us. Our faith, our righteousness, our salvation is not something that we do. It is something that God does for us. God the Father loves us so much that he sent his only begotten Son into the world. God the Son loves us so much that he took our place under the law and he kept it perfectly and then he endured its penalty on our behalf. And God The Holy Spirit loves us so much that he works faith in us through word. He works faith in us through sacrament. And our salvation comes from God, not from ourselves. So when the world asks us its questions, we can say, you know, you're right. 
We do not have the right to tell you what is right and what is wrong. But God does. We do not have the right to tell you what to believe. But God does. Furthermore, we have not worked out a plan for your salvation. But God has. And the Sadducees in today's gospel tried to make the resurrection of the dead seem ridiculous, and they failed. Jesus not only showed them a flaw in their argument, but he made a point of his own. He said, God is not God of the dead, but of the living. For all live in him. Jesus not only made the point, but he demonstrated it. You see, on the Friday after he had this debate with the Sadducees, he carried our sins to the cross. And there, he paid the penalty for all of them with his life. And then the following Sunday, he himself rose from the dead and he paved the way for all who believe in him. He paved the way for them to join him in the everlasting paradise of heaven. The world can make all the false assumptions it wants to, but no other faith, no other faith has a God who serves his own to the point of offering his life on the cross in their place. No other faith has a God who says, I have saved you. You do not have to save yourself. In the name of Jesus, amen. Will you please stand if you're able? Let us confess our, confess our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 85 in the green, green hymnal. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The family in Jesus Christ, let us pray. 
Dear Lord and God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we gather this morning to praise your holy name. Thank you, Father, for bringing us together safely. You already know our prayers without us speaking a word. Many of them are printed in our bulletin this morning. You hear our constant groans as your Holy Spirit lives within us and who translates our thoughts into prayers worthy of your listening. Even so, we're compelled to speak aloud. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us with our nation. But Lord, we've turned away from you and our leaders worship false gods of power over others, personal wealth, and material possessions. They lie, cheat, and steal openly. They encourage us to do the same and to shun those who do not. We pray that as we elect new leaders in the coming days, that you would guide our decisions to select leaders and representatives who are honorable and who follow your precepts for peaceful lives together on earth and within our country. Please help us stand against the chaos of Satan's influence and return to our Father's will for our lives. Open the eyes of our children to the dangers they face in pursuing false gods and save our children from the enticement of evil. Holy Father, we give you thanks and praise for causing the truth, the only truth in the universe, to be written down in Holy Scripture for us to hear your word whenever we read it. Thank you that your scripture is timeless and living, so as to guide us and comfort us and sometimes rebuke us for our own good, no matter how old or young we are throughout our lives. Holy Father, we know Psalm 23 that says that though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. But Lord, you know our sinful hearts and minds and know that especially right now, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that Satan is running unchecked in our culture and around the world. We do fear our futures on earth, even when we should not. We pray to your Holy Spirit to flood our hearts and minds with the knowledge and assurance of your saving grace to displace any doubts or fears that we may have. God Almighty, Holy Father, this weekend we grieve the loss of loved ones on earth over the past year, but celebrate their arrival in heaven to be with you and all the other saints who have come to you before them. It's, confu it's a confusing time for us as we feel a terrible loss in our daily lives, feeling the separation of loved ones, and recognizing our own mortality. We know that the number of our days on earth are only known by you and were determined before we were born. This truth and your promise of eternal life with Jesus provides comfort, knowing that we too will someday be called home and be reunited with our loved ones and be face to face in your presence. Holy Spirit, thank you for our faith in our Savior Jesus. Lord, we pray for those suffering from serious physical or mental ailments within our church family, our friends and loved ones. We ask, that your holy, we ask that your holy peace that exceeds our understanding will fill their hearts and minds, displacing any doubts they may have about your saving grace. 
We also ask you to grant strength and peace to those who minister to the needs of those who are being called home. Holy Father, as many of us approach the fall and winter seasons of our lives, we thank you for the blessings of this faithful church family. Please guide us and strengthen our family to encircle each other with the love you have for us through your Son, our Savior, Jesus. We pray for the safety of all of our military members. Please shield them from all harm. Keep their service to our country honorable and bring them home from their duties safely. We especially thank you, Almighty Father, as Veterans Day approaches this week, for inspiring those who now or in the past have served in our armed forces to protect our nation's freedom. Help us to never forget that those who sacrifice their own safety and security for the benefit of others follow the example of your only Son, Jesus. Now, Eternal Father, with all the sadness surrounding us, we thank you and praise you for opening our eyes and hearts to the glorious handiwork of your creation in our national parks. And as you have painted our sunsets and sunrises with unparalleled beauty this past week, even the most disagreeable among us have stopped in their tracks to marvel at your artwork. Thank you. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts. With them, we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord. In the blessedness of your saints, you have given us a glorious pledge of the hope of our calling, that moved by their witness and supported by their fellowship, we may run with perseverance the race that has been set before us, and with them, receive the unfading crown of glory. 
And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. Then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming back. Let us now together pray the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. This is a foretaste of the feast to come. And this was all done for you and for me by what Jesus did, accomplished on that cross. His work was perfectly worked so that we don't have to work on ourselves, that we don't have to work for our own salvation. It is a gift, and it is a means of grace, and it does rescue you from sin, death, and the devil. May it also impart his peace and his joy upon you. Come, the table is prepared. The ushers will bring you forward. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our closing hymn is O for a Thousand Tongues, found on page 559 of the LBW. <laughs> 